0: What is going on, Shula Bowl pod fans? We are back. Another episode of the Shula Bowl podcast brought to you by the fine folks, as always. You guys know the drill. Five Reasons Sports, your home for South Florida sports news. Shout out to Ethan Skolnick, the CEO and proprietor of Five Reasons Sports. But that is not why we're coming to you. We're not coming to sell any ads or, you know, shout out people that are not FAU or FIU related. It is football season. We are, again, fired up, just as fired up. As we were last episode, shout out to Hunter Bailey and Kevin Fielder for talking Charlotte and FAU. We're going to dive into what was a dominant performance for the Owls. Most definitely going to touch on that. But we do have our resident Panther fan in the house. That is Mr. David Handel. And he is fired up because the Owls have played. <laughs> it is time for his beloved Panthers to take the field. Mr. David Handel, take it away, sir.
1: Eric, I am super super excited. It is officially finally game week. We are recording two days before the game, um, home opener, new era, elevate. Uh, I, I'm, I'm no, I am super super excited, and I, and I really do think um, that there has been a, a buzz like surrounding the season. I think Scott Carr and Coach McIntyre have done a good job in that, and so I'm, I'm curious to see um, how full. The game will be i'm curious is it thursday night um you know there shouldn't be any other you know games to go to so i'm curious about that but i'm very excited just to see you know these guys uh you know put on a show on thursday so super super excited college football obviously returned last week but our beloved panthers emphasis on the hour return in
0: two days Absolutely. We will dive into all things FIU and Bryant. I've published game previews. I've uh, We've done the the Monday presser. We've done all of that. But before we do, as you mentioned, the uh, FAU Owls, or as I, as I mentioned, the FAU Owls coming off a uh, really resounding victory against Charlotte. All of the hype, the big three hype that was talked about by one Hunter Bailey. Uh, he wrote about, again, we should be clear, Hunter didn't, Tagged them the big three. That was their own tagline. Hunter just wrote the article. But nevertheless, it made its way into the FAU defensive backfield, specifically their locker room. And uh, they backed it up, you know, 43-13 drubbing of Charlotte, despite Grant DeBose and him trying to do the too small, you know, when he caught his touchdown. It didn't matter because in the end, they could just point to him and say scoreboard. A complete <laughs> domination of the Owls. David, I know you had a chance to check out some of that game, so I want to give you a chance to opine first, and I'll kind of give my uh, general FAU thoughts, because I'm not going to lie. I'm really high on what I saw from FAU. I think they're running a, a really pivotal stretch of their season. If they can build on that, beat Ohio resoundingly, and then beat Southeast Louisiana uh, I really said uh, – I really um, want to see this team firing all cylinders against UCF because I think that will be an indicator as to what their ceiling is in CUSA. But, David, you take it away first.
1: Yeah, so I did actually get a chance to watch a, a decent amount of this game, uh, mainly the beginning and, and kind of the – pretty much almost the entire second half. Um, and they look good. I mean they looked a lot better than you know last year because a lot of their issues last year was they, they seemed to always start slow and then – Second half, you know, they would either pick it up or they would lose because they were, they had they're a bit inconsistent last year. But they started off pretty hot. Um, they kept, you know, they were pretty consistent throughout the, the game. Uh, they ran it really well. McC- McCammon played it really well. Nikosi C- Perry obviously um, played very well too. So I, the thing is, it's weird to not say I wasn't impressed because I was kind of, I, I, listen, I is good. Like I, I, I was kind of expecting maybe not this much of a drumming but I expected them to win this game in in a good, you know, a, a decent fashion. Um but they did look good and that, you know, if the offense is humming and they're consistent, they're gonna be, you know, a force to be reckoned with in conference USA. As they have been, you know, last year man had been an outlier, but they've been, you know, one of the top dogs the past four or five years. Um, so I think, you know, they keep they keep this up. They're they're definitely gonna, you know, Beat a lot of teams, not FIU, but everyone else, maybe. But um, but yeah, no, shout out to Shane, officially 1-0 as a coach uh, or part of the coaching staff. And uh yeah, man, they they you know, there's for me not not much more to say. They just looked very good, and that offense was humming.
0: Let me ask you this. Um, I want your perspective as an FIU fan. I know again, you had a chance to watch that game. What really stood out to me for FAU was <laughs> Their guys just look, and granted, again, Charlotte, if you know anything about Charlotte's defense, they've had problems for the better part of the past three years. So it's not like they did this against, you know, some superb defense. But their guys just look really good in a way that I don't think you can say that about FAU, except quite frankly, outside the times they've played FIU over the past two years. Did it just kind of stand out to you? You know, I'm not asking you to be a CUSA expert, David. I'm just wondering, just your eye test. Did it kind of stand out to you? You know how quick Larry McCammon looked in running back, and you know how their defense was flying around. Did did this look really good to you? And as far as that, that, was noticeably different from the past few years.
1: Yeah, no, it does. And and, and granted, obviously, most of the time that I do watch FAU, it is against us, and they they <laughs> somehow have looked uh, uh, like a friggin' Bama whenever <laughs> Um, But no, they did. I mean, I watched a good amount last year, and and like I said, like last year was. A very inconsistent team um and they you know they they often started off very slow this team they looked like they had their stuff together uh they they looked like a team that you know i mean this is Nikosi perry's second year he looked more comfortable um and and yeah they 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 looked more in sync from the start and yeah like like charlotte i thought charlotte would give a, a more of a game just purely offensive wise i i know um you know, obviously, we the the joke of the big three and stuff, but they they do they, their offense on paper looked to be improved. Um, so I wasn't, you know, I, I figured FAU would put up points, but they did it pretty easily. <laughs> um, they, they, it didn't seem like they really had any trouble um, throughout this game. So no, they I agree they look they look very good. That that first game was, I think really good for them and it's a hot start that they can build off going to Ohio this week um yeah on on on, on Shane's first all, I'm gonna treat this like Shane's the head coach um so all, all the all the positive and
0: negative feedback is is all gonna go on Shane here <laughs> So I, I'll quickly kind of, you know, finish off with my FAU thoughts. Again, Nicosi Perry looks like a different man in, in year two. It's not to say Nicosi had a bad year by any stretch of imagination, but I, I just felt, again, so much more in control. You know, he had a drop. You know, he had some some plays that were left on the field. I mentioned Larry McKinnon. I, I said I believe on last podcast, and I can't remember if it was that or the Conference USA podcast, that I, I was kind of – a little bit uh, you know, apprehensive when they said that Larry McCamill would get this uh, the, 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 the RB1 role over Johnny Ford. That guy, and I mean, I, I know I've had people say, hey, he's been banged up. He's never truly been healthy at FAU. But that guy with the burst who was turned the corner on Charlotte defenders, I didn't think that was possible. I thought, quite frankly, I thought FAU's offense would be missing a dynamic, you know, kind of a home run threat kind of player by going with Larry McCammon, who I felt was more of a bruiser than Johnny Ford. Not to say he isn't, because, you know, he's more of that compact, even though Johnny Ford is 5'5", a buck 70. You know, Larry McCammon's about 5'8", 5'9", 215. But, man, what a great burst on him. I mean, they just look really good. And they still have a stable with Marvin Scott and uh, Zuberi Mobley as well. So I have to see where Johnny Ford fits in, should get him back for the Ohio game. Uh, The receivers, Jamal Edrin. Big, tall receiver. You know, I really like the dynamic that he brings when you have a guy who work in the slot, LeJante Wester, and that defense. You know, Eddie Williams are flying all over the place. If he can step up and be in, in addition to Smoke Mungin, to TJ Young, to Evan Anderson, to, you know, some of the other guys, they have Jalen Joyner. <laughs> you got to be excited. Again, anyone who listens to this podcast knows what I feel about Willie Taggart. I, I think he's gotten a raw end of the deal uh it's past past several stops and that includes the past two years at fau it wasn't like you walk in there and you know the cupboard was full but hey it is year three it is his guys he's got a veteran staff it's time to produce and they certainly made a great opening statement on his birthday so we will have an ohio preview i'll reach out to zach weinberger and some others to kind of get the thoughts on fau so We will have a full FAU-centric episode coming up, but we did not want to publish this before the the Panthers play on Thursday and not touch on the fact that they had a very decisive, probably the most impressive victory of the Conference USA weekend. Um, But with that, David, you want to give us a pause up? Pause up! (laughs) (laughs) We are touching on the fact that the, uh, the new era, the new day, Uh, That tour, uh, yes, the tour took place over the summer, but this is where it starts. Thursday night, September 1st, 7 p.m., FIU Stadium. The Bryant Bulldogs come to Miami. David, the death chart was released. It was actually given to us there around 11.50 on Monday, Mike McIntyre's opening presser. That will be a new feature for the Panthers. Uh, David, I don't know if you can speak to what they had in the past. Um, previous to Butch Davis, I don't know if Ron Turner did this or maybe even Mario Cristobal, but him having a Monday presser was something that Butch Davis didn't have, you know, we were there inside of the field house, the media room where we will do our postgame pressers normally. And that was, you know, a a pleasant, uh, pleasant surprise. And we got the notification that we will be having weekly Monday pressers. So, and they're posting that on YouTube. So for all of you FIU fans, you don't have to worry about, you know, me trying to relay the information. You'll get it right there live and in living color from Mike McIntyre. Uh, so with that being said, David, start with the depth chart. Um, the, you know, obviously the major news is Gunnar Holmberg will be the starting quarterback. That was what I projected. The Duke transfer who played in, excuse me, played in nine games last year for the Blue Devils. Of course, you know, uh. Someone who brings four four or five years of experience. I believe it's, sorry, gunner has been, yeah, Gunnar's a 2017 guy, I believe. Um, so at least five years of experience and has two years of eligibility left. Uh, so a veteran presence, he wins the starting quarterback job. Uh, we heard from Tyrese Chambers and Dorian Hull after Mike McIntyre. But yeah, uh, I'll just take it away with the fact that Gunnar Holmberg is a starting quarterback and then the def chart.
1: Yeah, um I, I'm with you. Um obviously I, I I'm been very vocal even since last year. I I've been dying to see Grayson James um get the nod. Um I think he just has everything that, you know, every I guess every tool that you would you would want your quarterback to have. Um and he's supposedly from what I've heard done very well in the offseason and in spring and and I thought for sure um that before the news that Gunner was transferring, I thought for sure this was going to be his team this year. But once Gunner joined the team, I I'm with you. I kind of figured he would get the job purely based on his experience playing uh, power five football. Uh, even if it's at Duke, he still played, you know, in the ACC. Um, so I kind of figured that they would probably go that route, um, especially with a team that it, were, were, no hiding him we're in a complete rebuild so you do want to have some level of experience uh you know especially to start um and so i'm not too shocked about it i i you know i hope you know i'm hoping nothing but the best i want him to succeed and i've heard i mean pretty good things from all three of the quarterbacks so hopefully you know he comes out plays well i mean the the last what was it The because it, it sounds almost like the 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 Christian Alexander, James Morgan situation, which I thought Christian Alexander would initially start. We bring in James Morgan. They kind of split it in the beginning and then James kind of ran away with it and, and look what he became. So, um, you know, let's see if, if Gunner could, you know, perform like, uh, like how coach McIntyre is hoping for naming him the starter. Um, so I have no, no real issues there besides the fact that obviously my bias towards the grace and James I've, um, but you know, if, if, if I, I think this is a game that obviously it's, it Brian uh, is an FCS school, but if I think if if he shows any sort of troubles or, or you know kind of I, I I think he might even be on a shorter leash to see Grayson James um, see what he can do, but hopefully we don't get to that. Hopefully he kills it. So um, no nothing nothing else in the quarter. We kind of you know it's obviously been the biggest question a lot of FIU fans have been asking. But we, I'm with you. We kind of,
0: kind of expected this one. <laughs> it's interesting you talk about whether or not there will be, you know, a leash on him, so to speak. We asked myself and Walt via uh, from the Miami Herald. We asked Mike McIntyre, uh, essentially, like, hey, if if Gunner's the guy, is there going to be a package you're working for some of the other guys, or is he the guy? And Mac said, no. You know, I named him the quarterback. Um, if for whatever reason we have an injury or whatnot, then you know we will feel confident with Grayson or Hayden as far as putting them out there, but I named him the quarterback and that does not say that he's going to be the guy for the entire year. Meaning, you know, if, if he isn't performing, then I'm sure he will look otherwise, but it's not going to be a situation where in the first half, if he goes two for 10, you're going to see Grayson James. I I don't believe that. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see Gunner, uh, you know, kind of, as I mentioned, have every opportunity to be the QB one. So now that we've talked about the quarterback, You've got that depth chart in front of you. I had some surprises that caught my eye, but let's start with you. What were, what are your initial thoughts on the uh, offense and defense? You know, we've got it confirmed, uh, even though there was a, a, a semblance of a facade from Mike McIntyre. others saying, oh, we're going to be multiple and whatnot. We knew it was going to be a 4-3 defense. Um, now, of course, there will be you know when they go with five DBs and whatnot, uh, they're going to have some some aspects of multiple because that's just today's college football. But he, Mike McIntyre's run the, the the did I say four three, David? Yeah, I, okay. you might have. It, it, it's gonna, <laughs> Let's try this again. I heard that in my head. Uh, it's going to be a three four defense. The three four is what Mike McIntyre's run for the better part of the last decade, coaching going back to his time uh, at Colorado. So it was going to be a three four defense. Uh, so yeah, but kind of your thoughts, you know. Initial thoughts on the depth chart, any surprises, and I'll follow up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know you have a bit, a few more surprises than I do. I think the one that really stands out to me, and I didn't even notice it the first time I was looking through it and you brought it up to me um, because I just kind of assumed he was starting, was Dorian Hall. Um, I was a bit shocked that he didn't get the nod. Um, I think that's probably the most shocking on my end. Um, and n- not that it's really shocking, I kind of figured they would do – you know a bit of the the, the running back committee uh, because they do have it listed as EJ Wilson or uh, Lexington Joseph. I just thought Flex would get the nod as he was named captain, but you know I think they're going to be used pretty equally, um, and I'm excited about that because I think they're both really good. So, but I, I do think Dorian Hall was definitely the the biggest shock, and I the, the, actually the other one that that came as a bit of a shock and more of a like a happy surprise was. Um, was um uh is it Sean Sean Peterson this the, the running back is he starting
0: now on defense Yeah no Sean Peterson has a starting outside uh well it's 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 the rush end so it's the rush end yeah yeah so i that caught me
1: by surprise more of like that i'm i'm excited to see him uh because obviously you know he initially entered the transfer portal and then you know he came back and then completely swapped like he's, he's running back to linebacker uh, or, or edge or rush. Um, so that's more of a, I was a bit shocked in, in that aspect, but I'm, I'm, I'm I'm hoping it. you know, I'm hoping he, he performs well. Uh, Cause I, I really do like Sean Peterson. Um, but besides, that, I know, I know you have a few more uh, than I do because you're more, you know, you were there more for spring, but um, yeah, those would definitely
0: be the ones that stand out the most to me. Well, let me ask you this, you know, just again, you know, maybe not necessarily surprises, but in terms of just your thoughts on the on the the depth chart, I mean, how are you feeling about say, let's throw out a a Dean Patterson, a receiver, um, true freshman John Bach? You know, I'm not asking you to assess these guys' play. Just how are you feeling as a fan when you see some some names? I mean, considering who they're over, you know, Dean Patterson is not over Randall Saint Felix, someone who has played uh, multiple years of college football. John Bach comes in again as a true freshman over, you know, like a Javari, a Jamari, Jamari Sylvester, excuse me, um, or some other guys there, you know, Wyatt Lawson's been here a while. Um, we can take a look. Uh, you know, I know you mentioned Dorian Hall. I'll touch on that one in a second, but even for example, okay, here's another one, you know, Hezekiah Masses. Uh, that's a name that I even tweeted out. I said, I know some FIU fans are not going to be familiar with this name, but he's a guy who's made some plays in the uh, spring and fall. You know, he, as of now, is getting to start over, say, an Andrew Volmar, for example. So, just I don't know. I guess I'm just curious your thoughts as a fan when you see some of the new names, David. Do you are are, are is there a level of unsurety or is it a hey, you know, new coach, new blood, let's see what happens? Because I, I'll be the first one to admit this. I do think uh, a common complaint that I heard from some of the FIU fan base over the past, uh, you know, two years, or really the what 19 games that we've played since the the Miami game. Is that oh, okay, it feels like it's the same old guys day in, day out. Even when they were losing, there weren't any changes in the lineup really. So just if you want to tackle it from maybe that perspective, so to speak.
1: Yeah, no, um, that was definitely definitely a complaint uh from the past couple of years. Um, I actually don't mind it. Um the reason I don't mind is because you you kind of mentioned it is it is a new coaching staff and they're evaluating, you know, players differently. And if they if they believe that these are the guys that stood out the most in spring or, 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 you know, the summer, then, you know, I'm, I'm going to trust their gut and go with it because at the end of the day, they're the ones who spend every day with these guys and they are, I'm um, you know, <laughs> assuming they're going to try to put out the best uh, lineup that they can. So I don't mind them testing out new guys or, or, or some guys getting more chances because that means they just outperformed uh, during spring and summer. Um, so I'm I, I'm not I'm not too worried. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it if they don't if they aren't performing, I think it's all right. Let's get some other guys that because I I think what it is, and this is the first game, and obviously, you know, people are going to be like, oh, it's Brian, it's Brian. I I think what it is is that they're putting out the guys that perform the best, and I think a lot of them will probably have shorter leashes if they're not performing, knowing that we have other guys that are a bit, you know, maybe a bit more experienced that can go in and, you know, you know, take that job for say, or, or things like that. But I have no issues with them testing new newer quote unquote players um, to, you know, see what works. And, and maybe those guys just have, you know, different, different connections. Like maybe, you know, I, I wasn't there at every team practice. Maybe Dean Patterson has a great connection with Gunnar Holmberg. So more than Randall St. Felix, (laughs) you know what I mean? So I'm going to trust – it's the first game, complete new coaching staff. I'm going to trust whoever they believe is the best to win the game. That's who I'm going to go with. And, you know, if it doesn't work, that's what the season's for. You can change up those lineups um, to depending on what's working, what's not working. So for the first game, I
0: will just go with the flow. (laughs) All right, so I'll kind of jump in and give my thoughts. As you mentioned, you know, I've been around a little bit as far as the team. So, a Gunner over Grayson and Hayden, I do believe not necessarily that the two young guys didn't do enough to win the job. Because I, I if it were different circumstances, I could see either of them starting. And again, and this is just my two cents. I think that their deficiencies, the things that they probably aren't showing enough of in practice or maybe enough in camp that, that she you know, kind of lends the, the staff to go with, great, with, with Gunner. I think those are things that are only going to improve with playing time, so it's really a tough situation for them. With that being said, this is such a young team overall, David. I think, just in my mind, any experience you can get is probably the better in terms of Mike McIntyre and company, especially when they look at this roster, excuse me, this look at the schedule. The first four or five games, and we will go down the schedule after this, If they can come out three and one, possibly four and one, which I'm not predicting, but if they can, then I think Mike McIntyre and company are saying, hey, we might be a little bit ahead of schedule here, and we got a veteran, someone who can carry us the rest of the way. So, again, that's a little bit of speculation on my part. That's kind of what I'm reading into it. Uh, No shock with uh, the or in terms of EJ and Fleck. I think both those guys are going to get X amount of carries. It is an 11 personnel offense, so you're not going to see too many two back uh formations but those guys will get carries Tyrese is Tyrese and nothing to be said there Dean Patterson's earned his spot uh Dean Patterson is a guy who you may have heard some people talk about him as a late bloomer I I went back and read an article David about Dean Patterson that was written about him as a a youth league player uh back in 2012 2013 2014 even then he was one of the smaller kids amongst the uh the kids he was going against. So I think it's really a byproduct. FIU might have a, a true sleeper on their hands in Dean and just being a byproduct of him being a guy who developed late into his body and late into the position of his athleticism. But ever since he showed up at camp or showed up at FIU, from Drew Davis and guys in the old staff to, you know, Jay McIntyre said to me after spring that the big thing with Dean is just consistency and not getting down on himself. He's earned it. Uh, Jalen Bracey is a guy who I did expect to come in and earn a spot immediately. Jay McIntyre talked about the relationship they have going back to UT Martin, and he was one of the better JUCO receivers. Rivaldo Fairweather, not that Josiah Miamin isn't a a talented tight end in his own right from Iowa, but anyone who's been around FIU, David, knows the the kind of the salivating of FIU fans at the potential of Rivaldo Fairweather. Quickly down the offensive line, Hobdi Lee over Hammond, a, a bit of a surprise, but Shamar is someone who... You know, his body was really the thing, it was rounding his body into form because you kind of saw the physical tools when he came out of Jefferson High, but he had to kind of get in, into a ball player body and develop that. So he gets the, the tackle spot over DAV Hammond. But again, you're going to see seven, eight offensive linemen anyhow. So we'll see Hammond. Uh, Bach talked about him already. Julius Pierce, it's his time at center. You know, he's been the understudy for how many years now? So, <laughs> and Julius is probably one of the more fun loving guys you'll see, even as we. Finished up presser. He, he popped his head into the media room and acted as if he was coming in for a uh, media, which, of course, you know, how often are we going to get the center coming in for interviews? Um, Ray Burnett did expect that. You know, a guy veteran experience coming in from Houston Baptist last year had the the uh, I believe it was an ankle injury at Marshall. He ended up in an in a air cast, um, but you definitely expect that. And then Jacob Peace, David, I don't know if you saw, I believe Walt wrote, wrote a feature on him, but they've been pretty high on him. The kid from VMI. Uh, he gets a starting role right now over Lindell Hudson. Now that's not to say that Lindell won't start. Uh, Mike McIntyre did confirm this. I don't feel any type of way of saying it here on the podcast. Lindell's missed a lot of fall. Um, he was in the red no contact jersey for a while, so I think it was a matter of kind of him getting up to speed. But you know, Lindell, I think will reclaim one of those tackle spots in a few weeks. Run down the defense. No shock that Jeremy Passmore, one of the returning starters from last year, is at the end. Davon Strickland, we know the deal. Keegan Davis. David, uh, are you part of the Keegan Davis Hive? Because there is a strong Keegan Davis Hive on social media.
1: I initially, on social media, I am not, but I'm joining now. Give me to join the Keegan Davis Hive.
0: Let's go, baby. <laughs> uh, Keegan Davis kid out of – um, let's see from the Port St. Lucie area, if memory is serving me correct here, I, I, I want to get that right. Cause I know his dad, Kevin listens to this podcast. Um, so many players to listen to. He's from that, that treasure coast area, but nevertheless, uh, was a three-star recruit coming out and he's kind of bided his time. You know, he's been switched around a little bit, was at, um, was at, um, uh, tight end for a little bit, you know, he's moved around. Uh, yeah. From treasure coast high in Port St. Lucie. just making sure I got that correct. Um, but he went to tight end for a little bit. You know, they had him list, listed as a linebacker here, but uh, he's an end. And David, he's listed at 6'3", 235. He is not 235. He looks every bit of a Division one defensive end. Every time they post those leaders in the weight room, you know, I think Keegan Davis' name has come up quite a few times. So... Actually hoping to get a chance to talk to FIU strength and conditioning coach uh, uh, about that because, you know, he's a guy who, again, physically looks like a different man. You mentioned Sean Peterson, Jr. David, really quick. You ever stood next to Sean Peterson by any chance? I have not. (laughs) That dude. uh, Listen, God bless Sean Pete. You know, Sean Pete for want to play running back. (laughs) David, that dude is so big. (laughs) The first time this has got to be two years ago. Um, I think it was the middle Tennessee state game, the game that he ran for hundred and something yards, he, he, dude, he just towers over, not just the rest of the backfield, like everybody. So it is no shock that he was a, you know, power five interest coming out as far as the defensive side of the ball. Good to see him back. And I think he's going to make an impact. I, I made a little side bet with Jonathan Mayer, um, And I guess I'll disclose it publicly here. I said that he'd lead the team in sacks. I think he'll get seven and a half this year, um, but I think that'll lead the team. I think he's, he's going to have a nice year. Awesome. As, I love as far that. As, there we go. As far as the inside backers, no shock. Bernadette and Donovan Manuel. Alex Nobles comes in. Alex Nobles is another guy, David. Who um, I took a picture of him. You know, when talking about who I spoke with post practice a few weeks back. He's a big dude as well. You know, big shredded up, jacked up dude. So definitely kind of has that that body of someone who's played at the Power Five. And you know, the coaches are really high on his athleticism. Even on Strickland mentioned him and said that you know Alex Nobles has been flying around. So. He takes the other outside linebacker spot. Uh, a couple surprises again in the secondary. As I mentioned, Hezekiah Masses. Uh, folks, keep an eye on that name. I, I think he is someone who those guys, and these are the type of things I think fans, I don't want to say they struggle to understand, but I think it's things that coaches lean on. If you perform really well in practice consistently, it's going to earn you time. They're going to think you do it in the that you're, you can carry that and translate that over to the game. And David, he had a, a, a fall practice where I want to say, in a, like a five play span, he broke up two passes and had a pick. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he's someone who just consistently you look and it's like, wait a minute, who's that again? And uh, he gets the spot at the left corner. Uh, right corner is Henry Gray. Henry Gray was someone who ended up with an injury, ended up had uh, some severe back spasms. It looked like a really bad injury, David. I know I I had said to you kind of on the side that, man, this might be something to keep an eye on, but uh, he is healthy, good to go. He'll get the right corner. And then the nickel corner is Jamal Potts. That is something that is expected. But, of course, they'll shuffle in there with Henry Gray and a, a favorite of mine, Joe Perkins. The free safety, Demetrius Hill, another three-star recruit. He earns a, a job. And then the bandit, C.J. Christian someone who came from, I believe he's from Iowa Western, if my memory is serving me correct, but he's from Normal, Illinois. That's what I remember most about C.J. Christian, because I'm familiar with that area as someone who went to grad school and spent some time in uh, that uh, those neck of the woods in Illinois. Uh, not much in, in that neck of the woods outside of Chicago, so the fact that he's from Normal stands out to me. But keep an eye on him in that bandit role, and then Dorian Hall as well. Uh, obviously the, the veteran, You know, we know what Dorian can do, and I think Dorian's going to play a little bit all over the field. Definitely want to see him regain his spot you know we'll have to see how much um you know he did miss a lot of time David as far as the the epilepsy diagnosis um so we'll see you know how much that plays a factor but he's got the clear clean bill of health and he's good to go as far as the specialist Chase Gabriel no surprise there kickoff is going to be Lucas Matthias uh that isn't surprising uh long snapper Jackson Lee no shock there the punter Dayton Montiel. Dayton wins the job over the the Aussie punter, Jordan Doling. Um, A little bit of a surprise there, I think I'd say. But again, you know, you're not really sure what to expect out of a, a freshman punter coming over. I think we've gotten so accustomed to those Aussie punters coming over and having big legs and whatnot and getting jobs. But Dayton's a talented guy in his own right from Cardinal Gibbons. He uh, started his career at Marshall and, you know, decided to come back home. I've had a couple conversations with Dayton, so I know he's excited about getting the starting punter role. And, of course, your punter typically handles the holding duty, so Dayton uh, gets that job. So that's my quick run-through of the depth chart. David, um, do we want to take it to the schedule first, or do we want to go to Bryant? Should we, should we save Bryant for last, kind of our thoughts on Bryant, and just make a quick rundown through the schedule? I feel like we should start with Bryant. Start with then- Bryant. All just because,
1: right. and then we'll go through the rest of the schedule. Because when we go through the schedule, I'm probably gonna want to talk about Brian. Just,
0: just for <laughs> no, that, 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 that is hey, fair.
1: fair.
0: All right, all right. <laughs> no, that is fair. That's a natural transition. So, of course, September first, seven p.m. ESPN three. AJ Ricketts, Patrick Murray on the call. Corey Brooks on radio. WQBA eleven forty a.m. Catch me on the pregame show at six thirty p.m. 30 minutes prior to kickoff with Corey Brooks. Uh, Here's the thing with Brian. And uh, I published my preview, as I mentioned, they're a very cohesive team. A lot of FCS teams. I can't emphasize this enough at the FBS level with the COVID year, that's allowing, you know, guys get the extra year and maybe transfer or do something else. That is not the case at the FCS level. It's just giving these guys, the majority of them another year to come back and build that cohesiveness with their team. I asked Mike McIntyre, I said, Hey, um, is this something that kind of concerns you a little bit, you know, and let's go and toss it to Mike McIntyre sound when he talks about the fact that he has one of the least experienced teams in FBS football, whereas Bryant has a very cohesive team.
1: I mean, I I just worry not the word; It's a a fact. And, you know, they've played together. They're in the same offense, the same defense. I'm pretty sure they've tweaked some things offensively and defense because they're all in the same system. So now they can kind of fix some other stuff that happened to them last year. Um, they all know each other. They they know the travel. They know how game day is going to happen. I mean, we haven't even warmed up before a game yet, so we're, we're going to mock that and do that again. And, but So there's all that newness that causes a little bit of anxiety more. And w- once you're kind of settled in and do it, they won't have near as much anxiety as our guys will. So it's my job to keep that as low as it can be. Um, and then, you know, they've played. So they've played and seen some things. You know, kind of like a... A veteran, you you watch some veteran pro teams, you go, well, that guy's older. But golly, he made a lot of plays compared to the guy that can run circles around him.
0: Yeah, David, so you heard that sound from Mike McIntyre, and again, it's something definitely to keep an eye on in terms of this matchup. I, I, I'm not predicting Bryant to win, but I want to tell FIU fans, do not get down, do not be surprised if this game is tight at the half. Head coach Chris Merritt, former Christopher Columbus high Head coach, a lot of um, South Florida ties, 20 players from Florida on the roster, I uh, believe a dozen from South Florida, most notably Gary Cooper and the linebacker, oh, I'm forgetting the, the second linebacker's name. They got two stud linebackers who've led the team in tackles. Um, Andreessen is one. The other is a Cardinal Gibbons product of memory, if memory. serves me correct. He's from South Florida as well, but Gary Cooper, a tight end receiver, actually won at FIU in the 2018 season opener when he was with Indiana. So a lot of ties there. They're bringing back the majority of their offensive line. They bring back a, a freshman quarterback who was freshman of the year in that league. Uh, you know, you got talent receiver again, uh, are they at Jacksonville state? No. The reason I'm picking FIU David is because if Brian had a you know, handful of guys on this roster that I think are going to play on Sundays next year, be like, all right, you know, let's be a little bit concerned. Jacksonville State had that, they had an NFL talented, you know, NFL potential quarterback at tight end, and you know, uh, a few other guys who look at looks in camp. Uh, Brian's just a really good FCS team, so I, I think they'll come in, you know, as Mike McIntyre, you heard in that clip, they know how to warm up, like they excuse me, they, those guys have been playing together for, for five years, whereas FIU still figure out how they're going to warm up on game day. So I think that'll play a factor, but in the end, the stars like Tyrese Chambers donovan Manuel, you know uh, davon strickland and others i think that gives fiu the victory but i'll let you take away uh your thoughts you know kind of what you're looking for what you're expecting and uh, how fired up you are about season opening eric
1: eric eric i don't care that they have 16 returning guys <laughs> if we had 16 returning guys i don't expect us to beat Bama. All right. We're going to smoke these clowns.
0: So, so just <laughs> for the record, you are comparing FIU to Bevo. Is, is that correct?
1: Yes. So that's, no. that's what
0: I heard. Listen, listen, Eric.
1: I I, I agree. Like, I, I know everything you're saying. You know, We've still got a lot of things to work out. We've got a new coaching staff, a lot of new players. As we mentioned earlier, a lot of new guys getting the starting nod. However, this cannot be a game you lose. I am sorry. I don't care how depleted. Uh, people think we are. I don't. Uh, I. I. I don't care. You know. We had 18 guys transfer out. I, we shouldn't lose this game, uh, and I don't think we will. And and I get it. I don't want to. You know. I'm. I'm partially. You know. I'm kind of hyped up and stuff. I. I. I think Bryant. You know. it is Is a good team, but at the end of the day, these are the type of games that you have to win. Um, FIU. Obviously a lot of people aren't expecting FIU to be that good anyway, but we are still a D1 program and we've got a lot of heavy hitters on this starting lineup. Um and I I just think I, I think it could be maybe start off, you know, people are still getting into the rhythm of things, but I expect, like you said, I think we'll pull away purely based on the you know the star power on this team, or or maybe not star power, but the the level of players that we do have on this team and so i would be disappointed if we lost this game um i weirdly as as i'm on this rant that i'm like not even probably thinking before speaking uh, maybe i wouldn't even be and i'll be sh- i'm kidding i'll be shocked if we lost this game i am trying to like you know play coy because eric's been trying to warn me for weeks shane has been texting me on the side that that, that brian's going to beat us I I I'm shutting off the noise. We're the better team. We've got the better players. New coaching staffs going to want to make, you know, show show out on their first game. And I'm expecting more people at this game than maybe others are. I think it's going to be a decent show out. And I think the players are going to hopefully feed off that and really show it out on Thursday. Um, I think FIU runs away with it in the second half though. I can, I can see maybe some speed bumps in the beginning, uh, but I, I really think that we should beat this team uh, pretty soundly, just based on purely our depth chart. So uh, I think we've got the athletes, and uh, yeah,
0: we're Bama, baby. So two things, Mister. Uh, you know, Roll Tide. Um, what are you? What are you predicting as far as a score? Because yeah, you saw my score. I said, uh, I think I said what 34-20? So yeah, well, what do you predict as far as a score?
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm well. I'm not. I'm actually not that far from. I'm. I'm. I'm going forty two seventeen. Okay.
0: All right. So forty two seventeen. think it's a
1: little bit of a wide, uh, l- just a, a little bit of a wider gap. But I, I do think that they'll 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 get more in the groove, like you're saying, first uh, second half. And I just expect us to, you know, I I I don't even know how to think. I, I might have just blocked out it in in excitement of this game. I want to send a message,
0: and I think they're going to do it. So the second question you touched on the crowd. What are you expecting? Physical bodies in seats?
1: Yeah, um, you said it, the, the the last the biggest opener that you've seen since you've been here was seventeen thousand for Indiana. That was paid be, attendance. Yeah. Uh, okay. That, yeah. <laughs> I, it's not gonna hit. It's not gonna. Hit, it's not gonna hit that. Um, I do think what I think. I, I know you were on Twitter today and you put out some options.
0: Um, what was uh, yeah, the j- j- yeah. yeah? So, my options were, um, I was gonna do zero to five thousand, but I decided, you know, hey, let me kind of shorten that a bit. So, I did zero to twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred to five thousand, uh, no, twenty five hundred to seventy five hundred, and then seventy five hundred plus.
1: Shit, yeah, I'm expecting, I would, if if I was a betting man, I would go with the second one. I think we'll rain, I think we'll be in the seven thousand range. Um, I hope, you know, I'm hoping that's, you know, that would be great. <laughs> uh, I, I think, but I think so. Like we've even, you know, in the past are, we've done pretty well on opening night. Um, and, and I think at all the things that Scott Carr and Mike Magner have done to promote this season and this team, I think people are going to show out. And I like the fact that it's a Thursday night. Um, it'll give maybe hopefully students more of an incentive to go um i I know when i was a student um the games that were either thursday or friday were a bit more attended just because one it's not saturday night two the the other team isn't playing so that hopefully gets some of the other commuter crowd uh you know that that uh likes to go to both games but i i i think that especially with these new like tailgate sections and and, and, and I, think, I think they're doing a really good job in building the hype. So I'm expecting, I would say 7,000 plus. Um, I'm going to go with it.
0: Um, and, yeah, I really hope people do show up to the game. Yeah, so I'll just kind of give a quick update on that poll. And my bad, I said my numbers wrong. I said 0 to 2,500, 2,500 to 5,000 or 5,000, between 5,000 and 10,000. Uh, we've got 114 votes right now. 0 to 2,500, that's 21%. 2,500 to 5,000, is 45%. And – Thirty-four. I five thousand to ten thousand that's thirty-four percent. That is what I voted. Again, that's physical bodies in seats, not paid attendance. So, yeah,
1: um, yeah. I would go. I would go with option three. I think it'll be over five thousand. Uh, I think it's going to be in the five thousand to seven thousand range. Um, yeah. So that's that's my guess. And and I, I know the people listening to this pod will be there because uh, those are the diehards. But I think the students will hopefully show up, especially after that event we spoke about briefly last yeah. week. You're hoping that, that, that sparks something and, you know, it gets, you know, the, uh, hoping the Greeks show up, um, you know, the, 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 anybody, the on-campus community, just, especially the people that just moved into that new dorm, uh, hoping they can walk five steps to the stadium and and go catch the game. So, um, I'm going to go
0: that, that projection and listen really quick. You know, I, I don't think I'm saying anything to people, you know, who aren't familiar with this, but. If they get six thousand, if six thousand physical bodies in there, that's a win. You know, I I might not say this on the Conference USA podcast. I'm sure to get picked up by someone who wanted to ridicule it. Well, guess what? There's attendance issues all across college football. FIU is not the only one to have attendance issues. It, theirs are maybe a little more pronounced than others. But I I don't, quite frankly, after being around this program now entering my fifth year, I don't feel any type of way about saying if they get six thousand physical bodies in there that is a huge success for Scott Carr and company because I can't think of a game in the past. Well, COVID happened, but I can't think of a game. Uh, really. I, I would have to say probably the 2019 Shula bowl for the last time there were 6,000 bodies in there. So that, uh, you know, I am not going to give very many open kudos to Scott Carr. Cause that's not my job, but if he does, does that, then he deserves it. But with that being said, let's uh, run down the schedule. We've got the opener, David, or, or, or how do you want to do this? We want to take it in. let's do this. Let's take it in, in fours and I will let you kind of give your thoughts. I think that's, that's the way we typically do it. So let's take it in fours. We've got okay. the opener. You've already given your thoughts on Bryant uh, next week, next Saturday. I will be in Austin, Texas, 7 p.m. Eastern or let's we'll try this again. I'll be in San Marcos, Texas. I have to fly into Austin to get there. Uh, we are not playing or FIU is not playing the Texas Longhorns. They're playing Texas state. 7 p.m. Eastern, ESPN+. Plus. Again, you can find that game on 1140. A.J. Ricketts will be on the call. Um, then we go to – or two weeks, sorry. In two weeks, FIU goes to Western Kentucky. That game is in Bowling Green. I will be there via Nashville CBS Sports Network. So that one will be on nationally, n- national television. Again, radio is 1140. It looks like 1140 is going to be the radio home all year for the Panthers. And then the New Mexico State game. David, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that region. Um, I wish I had an educated answer as to why this is the case. I don't know if it's a mountain time zone thing or if it's a specific to New Mexico thing. I'll have to look this up. Anyhow, the reason I'm saying this is that game is only available on Flow Sports. And that is not the first time that whether it's been in UTEP, New Mexico or New Mexico State, those games aren't. Actually, you know what, David? I know the answer. I'm just going to talk this out loud. They're independents. That's why they're not part of the ESPN deal that that's what so for FIU fans listening, that game being in New Mexico state, it will not be on ESPN uh, networks or part of CUSA's TV deal. It will be on flow sports and just quite frankly, flow sports is hard as shit to find. So <laughs> I, you may be following <laughs> my Twitter feed a little more than you have never even heard of it. So <laughs> that's right. I figure. Um, <laughs> so um, so there's the first four, David. What are your thoughts?
1: All right. So yeah, we already spoke on Brian. I expect us to start one and zero. We move on to Texas State. Two words, Eric: revenge game. That's <laughs> a job. We're coming back. We're starting over two and zero. I think we get the job done in Texas State. We move on to Western Kentucky. Two words, Eric: oh, Austin Pay. Did you watch that game? Oh, they geez. looked awful. Three and zero. FIU starting off three and zero. Nobody expected this. Then we take on to Flow Sports
0: at that David being the diehard fan, he's going to pay for one game. You're going to pay the twenty nine ninety nine membership because they don't offer like a week-long free pass. I think you have to sign up for a month.
1: A hundred percent. I'm going to get that one game pass. Eric, 4-0. New Mexico State was one of the few teams ranked. I, I, I don't know who did this ranking, um, but two of our opponents – We're ranked in the bottom five of college football. New Mexico State is one of them. We're beating them. We're proving to them why we're better than them. FIU starts
0: off the season 4-0. Boom. Okay. Well, the undefeated Panthers will follow up with UConn uh, undefeated via David Handel's prediction. That was also one of the teams – that was predicted to be, uh, whoever, I think it was Bill Connolly, I believe, did that prediction to be uh, worse than FIU. That is the Tommy Zosis game. Former FIU long snapper Tommy is coming home to FIU, or coming home to Florida, I should say. That game will be back on the ESPN Networks, and of course, 11.40 a.m. Then, I can't wait to hear David <laughs> talk about how FIU is going to win this one. They're facing Frank Harris, Rashad Wisdom, and UTSA at home on CBS Sports Network. It's a Friday night, 8 p.m and same radio. Uh, Then it is uh, to Charlotte, one of my favorite cities in CUSA. Head to Jerry Richardson Stadium. That one will be on the ESPN Networks. A 3.30 kickoff from Jerry Richardson Stadium in the Queen City. And then a Friday night showdown with a team that This, in in my prediction, is going to be a win for FIU, but we'll see how Sonny Cumbie, in his first year, the former Texas Tech quarterback, former Texas Tech offensive coordinator, was the offensive coordinator when FIU played them last year in his first season with the Bulldogs. That game is on CBS Sports Network and 1140 AM. Let's take down those four, David. Let me hear how they're going 8-0. Are you ready? Yes.
1: Are we playing October 8th? Are we playing basketball? Nope. Football, lock, FIU beating UConn, that fake team. On to UTSA. I'll be week. realistic here. I'll be week. realistic here. This is our one loss in the, in the first the Okay. Six. All right. I think, okay. I, I, I think UTSA, that's going to be a fun game um, <laughs> just because I think UTSA is actually awesome. I actually really like UTSA. I actually really like them this week against Houston. Um, I think that, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be as realistic as I can here. That's I'm going to mark a loss for that one. October 22nd, heading to Charlotte. Charlotte did not look impressive. I'm you
0: know, sorry. they already down their you're quarterback. So that could be, and they're already down their quarterback. I'm going to be exactly. hurt. Yeah, looking yeah, looking. yeah.
1: So um, I don't know how bad the injury is, but, um, you know, if he's not playing that game, win. If he's playing that game, win. <laughs> On to La Tech. I'm with you. I think this is another win <laughs> for FIU. Uh, a La Tech is a team that we, we do sometimes struggle against. But at home, Friday night, under the lights, CBS, primetime, lock me in, W. We're starting 7-1.
0: All right. So the 7-1 Panthers, who are now uh, amongst the tops in Conference USA, they head to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Denton, Texas, 4 p.m. kickoff, Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, November 5th on Saturday at UNT, a team that looked really good in their opener, upsetting UTEP. Then it is the Shula Bowl. The Shane Marinelli Bowl, because Shane Marinelli will be in the house. He will be at FIU Stadium, November 12th, 7 p.m., 7 p.m. kickoff. Uh, That game's going to be on stadium, so another nationally televised game. The last nationally televised game for the Panthers against the Owls, Shula Bowl 24, if memory serves me correct. I should know that off the top of my head. Nevertheless, the Owls did look good, as we mentioned, in their win. Then uh, we head to the farthest Western team remaining in Conference USA. Definitely one of my trips I'm looking forward to this year, getting a chance to get out to the beautiful city of El Paso and the Sun Bowl. Looking forward to some phenomenal Mexican food and uh, hopefully some leisure as well. I might go over to Mexico. We'll see. Nevertheless, November 19th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Mountain Time uh, on ESPN Networks. And, of course, uh, 1140 a.m., A.J. Ricketts will be on the call from El Paso. And we'll finish off the year against... What I like to call an arch rival to Panthers because, quite frankly, whether it's been at Floyd Stadium, which is a freaking house of horrors for FIU over the past few years, or at FIU Stadium. Luckily, Asher O'Hara is not the quarterback, but it's seemingly, no matter whether it's him, Chase Cunningham, or otherwise, the Blue Raiders have had FIU's number November 26, 6 p.m. Eastern. That game is on ESPN Networks. Rick Stock, those Blue Raiders come to town. So uh, let's hear it. I'm, I'm assuming they're going to go uh, – the Panthers going to go 11-1 here, David. Well, let's find out.
1: November 5th, North Texas. I will say North Texas did impress me a bit this weekend. Um, I, thought, I thought UTEP at home um, was going to win that game. They did not. North Texas honestly kind of shocked me but didn't shock me enough win. All right, Shula Bowl or a.k.a. now the Shane Bowl – Oh my God, Shane has no idea what is coming to him. Shane, listen, I hope you're listening to this because boy, oh boy, are you going down, my friend. This is going to be the most lopsided victory in the Shootable history. We might put up 60 on the Owls in this game. You want to know why? Because Shane is going to be coaching this game and he's not going to know what to do to stop Grayson James because he's coming in this game and he's going to dominate. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm going a little off tangent here, but I can never pick against FIU in a shoeable. Bowl. That's a dub. FIU UTEP. Once again, I was thinking that UTEP would show something week one. They didn't. We usually handle UTEP. I don't care that they've you know look they they were good last year. Guess what? That was last year. Lock me in. FIU win last game. Like you mentioned, Middle Tennessee has been the team that's given me nightmares as a fan uh, and the difference in this game. Like you mentioned, yeah, sure. They've beaten us at home, but we're not at the house of horrors. The cage is going to be a new animal at this time. when we're going for 11 and one packed house, 20,000. No way. Middle Tennessee leaves with a win. F I U W Eric. You forgot to mention a game, the conference championship. We're facing back off against UTSA revenge game. F I U knocks them down in the conference championship. We move on to a power six New Year's Eve bowl game or not power six, whatever it is. I don't even care. (laughs) Sign me up. Orange bowl. W we take it home. Best season in FIU history, new regime, big Mac elevate. And that's the season,
0: my friends. And that is can be done (laughs) as only David Handel can do. I, I will Very, very, very quickly go down the schedule. Uh, Bryant win. Texas State lost. West Kentucky lost. New Mexico State win. Um, Yukon win. UTSA lost. Charlotte lost. Louisiana Tech win. North Texas lost. Florida Atlantic loss, UTEP loss, Meltonissi loss, 4-8, and 1-7 and Conference USA, but uh, I, I said that in that of voice because you don't care about that. You care about David Hommel's prediction, which is 11-1, followed by a Conference USA title, the final Conference USA title of this incarnation, a great way for the Panthers to head into the new incarnation of Conference <laughs> USA as champs, and quite frankly, one of the best underdog stories in the history of sports.
1: Absolutely. And and Orange Bowl champs, don't forget.
0: And and, and Orange Bowl champs as well. Uh, <laughs> is that game being played at Marlins Park or is it at, at Hard Rock? They're going to win at the home of the uh, the team that we won't say. They're sending mid, They're going to send Mario Cristobal home
1: crying when we beat Miami again in the Orange uh, Bowl. Okay. Well,
0: they're going to beat the Hurricanes in the Orange Bowl. Okay, so it's to put a photo on the
1: greatest season in the history of FIU
0: football. That would be the greatest. <laughs> The is the history of freaking football, David. <laughs> anyway, with that being Eric, said. Eric, was, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing if that happens? Well, uh, I'll put to you this way. I've already given uh, Justin Carr and George McIntyre uh, contract extensions if they manage to sell out the opener, which as our friend Damani said that they should uh and you liked that comment uh on twitter uh if if i if, uh, david if everything happens according to plan as you've stated as if you have stated um i'll be uh, well i won't joke about that um i'll be very angry because i should have placed a bet on that in vegas and then retired from the sports writing thing forever
1: Oh man, it's going to be a magical season, Eric. I can just feel it in my bones. Tyrese Chambers for Heisman. Tyrese Chambers for everything. He's okay. going to he's going to win every award they have. He's going to win the Heisman. And guess what? Grayson James is going to be the Heisman
0: runner-up. <laughs> this dude is hilarious. Yo. So, yeah, David, another part of Mike McIntyre's presser that I know you will find entertaining is my top 10 players in Conference USA list. I ranked Tyrese Chambers as ninth and Tyrese responded on social media. Appreciate it. But ninth, not really his thing. And I follow up and asked him about that at uh, the Monday presser and his thoughts. I'm sure that you and the FIU faith will find entertaining. Oh, uh, I'm really like nine. We're going to see. We're going to see. I mean, uh, that, that, for me to, you know, been able to come here and, uh, you know, do what I did um, in one year and to, to be to be nine is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. So I was happy with that, um, but not happy with it at the same time. So, it's you know, I got to
1: keep a little edge on me just to keep going. So, okay. yeah.
0: So, yeah, David, with that, you know, uh, you heard Tyrese kind of <laughs> give his thoughts, you know, gave uh, me a, a hard time there. What are your thoughts on me ranking Tyrese Chambers ninth? I don't think we've gotten that uh, since we've, um, you know, has that article has been dropped. And your thoughts on that and your thoughts on his response? Eric, you know,
1: I, I think, you know, you're a fantastic writer. I, you know, I can't compliment you enough. I think you do, you do amazing at your job. However, you're so wrong on Team Tyrese. <laughs> Tyrese should be number one. Uh, I mean, how could you rank the Heisman hopeful as nine? I mean, Eric, I mean, that's simple, simple journalism. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) and so Tyrese is about to put up 2,000 yards this year. He's going to be the Randy Moss of FIU history. And um, God, just just start already because I can't wait to prove everybody wrong.
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right. So that should be interesting. All right. So with that, we will close the podcast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Shula Bowl pod. You can find David on Twitter at Mr. Handel three, two, one. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. And last but not least, the number five reasons sports your home for South Florida sports news. We will be back again. We have the FAU recap of their win over Charlotte and then previewing Ohio. We'll have Zach Weinberger and hopefully another guest on as well to join us. But with that, uh, we'll also be recapping the Thursday game, FIU's kickoff. We'll recap that next week and keep an eye out for both those episodes. Happy football watching, everybody. Pause up.